Nine minutes it is uh, before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We now take a look at the big stories in the world of business. And uh, for our business wrap today, I'm joined by Bandile Matandela, a market analyst. Bandile, good evening to you, Mr. Gunja. Good evening, Aya and Reitman. How are you doing today? Let's maybe start off here with Wendy Lucas Ball. Now, many of us uh, would know her as uh, the uh, yeah. uh, a chairperson at uh, APSA. She is now a chair designate at ShopRite. Uh, let's maybe just talk briefly about, I guess, the palace politics here behind uh, the exit of Crystal Visa in uh, effectively, I guess, what many would see as his own baby. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, right, it's an exit, but with conditions, right, because he remains an non-executive director. Uh, yes, within the yes. board, but exit in the sense that he's no longer chair. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's been sort of long coming, right? Because if you remember in 2019, there was sort of that um, sort of try to try and remove them with six, about 61% of the ordinary shareholders actually voting against his reappointment. But um, of course, he owns more than 10% of shareholders, um, shares at um, ShopRite, which basically allows him quite a significant voting right, I think about 42%. So because of that, mm -hmm. he actually won that. Um, but I think when um, the director actually changed the ShopRite uh, with Yan Leroux coming in from Pepco to ShopRite, uh, one of his statements that he actually made was that they need more diversity and they need different minds in the board. And I think it was uh, sort of alluding uh, to the removal or the, 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 the moving of Crystal uh, Visa there. So I think it's been one of those that has been long coming. Um, there was, of course, that issue where he wanted to buy out um, last year of about $3.3 billion, which the shareholders voted against. So long coming. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, uh, expected in a way. So uh, when yeah. you look at coming in, um, strong candidate, of course, uh, been with APSA, been with um, Anglo, been with Forbes, been with ESCOM. So relatively experienced um, uh, chairperson coming in. So quite an interesting yeah, move yeah. from uh, Showbright, yeah. Yeah, I guess a shift in the deck chairs there at uh, ShopRite and uh, uh, certainly going to, uh, I guess, be, be the start of many other things that uh, we might see um, um, on the back of, uh, I guess, Crystal Visa and uh, his, um, even his personal investment arm, uh, declining in significance uh, within the uh, PEPCO grouping and uh, within the ShopRite grouping as well. Let's shift our attention to Discovery. Now, I think many, many of um, you know, premium holders and policy holders of Discovery would have been very happy at this news that uh, Discovery yeah. for the first six months of next year is going to freeze uh, their premiums because every year around this time, Bandila say, Yasba, uh, if we hear any uh, you know, notice that comes out from Discovery or even a SENS announcement, uh, if uh, you're one of the clients, because that's when the big percentage increases start to come through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just looking at last year alone, I think the increase was uh, around 9%, 10% range. So, you know, positive news coming from a membership point of view. Um, there won't be increases in the in the fees. Uh, but then again, you know, uh, it sort of makes sense from a discovery point of view uh, because I think the net effect of COVID has actually been positive on their side. Because, uh, you know, with COVID, with the lockdown, with everyone being at, at home, with the um, sort of ban on the alcohol and the cigarettes, the sort of uh, decline in claims on their end. You know, they, they, they've paid less claims from a trauma and an emergency point of view. They've paid less claims from surgeries uh, because with elective um, surgeries uh, sort of shut down during the lockdown. So they've, they've paid significantly lower claims. So the net effect of COVID has actually benefited them. And as a result, they've basically made a, a commitment or a, a move to say there's not going to be any price increase increases 
for the next six months um, of 2021. And we're looking at a possible increase on the 1st of July 2021. And uh, the indications, mm-hmm. that, indications at the moment is inflation plus 2%. So I think it, it's also a, quite a strategic move because if you look at the economy and uh, just how we've been contracting and a lot of people losing their jobs, we're most likely going to see a decline in memberships. So I think mm-hmm. it's a, also a smart move and a strategic move from a discovery point of view. Basically, they're saying we won't increase you to keep you. You know, and, and, and in a way try and counter that because a lot of people, I imagine, would not have been able to cope with a further increase because of the economic situation. So I think quite a strategic move from Discovery. Um, and and, and I, I mean, on a personal front, I won't applaud them. Um, again, you know, the Medical Research Council had, did come out and actually urge sure. uh, medical aids to not increase um, their fees. So um, I think strategic move and very good move from Discovery point mm, of view. It's an interesting customer retention strategy, especially if some of your competitors have increased their premiums. I mean, yeah. we saw the likes of BestMed and others coming through uh, with slight changes in their premiums as well. Let's shift to the bottling sector, uh, or the packaging sector, I should rather say. NAMPAC, uh, these are the guys who uh, bottle, uh, I guess, uh, or you know, uh, manufacture many of the cans that we use. Um, yeah. uh, notwithstanding the fact that they've seen, I guess, um, strong order growth and order volumes in the South African market, but uh, probably ruining their uh, foray into other markets on the continent uh, a few years ago. And uh, now we're really regretting that move. Yeah, <laughs> interesting comments I think made by the um, by, by by their directors and executives today, basically saying that the expansion to Africa didn't go according to plan, and in fact going as far as saying that he regrets the move. You know, I think NEMPAC sort of um, has been over the the years. I mean, if you look at their share price, um, they've, they've sort of declined by uh, 95%. So it really, really does look like the, the expansion into Africa didn't really work out. But if you look at the two markets, right, that they, they really um, pointed out, Angola and Nigeria. So from a Nigeria point of view, they remain profitable. Uh, and they still stand by the fact that from an operations point of view, from a business point of view, that the, the decision made sense. But um, the issue with them is the volatility of the economy because Nigeria and Angola are so dependent on the oil price so it becomes very difficult for them to operate in that economy you know whether they will completely pull out is a, is a, is a question that we, we, we don't have an answer on right now but they seemingly really really are regretting the expansion into Africa and it seems like it didn't really pay out um, the dividends that they were really hoping to get from their move mm. yeah I mean it seems in the Nigerian market that they continue to maintain some levels of profitability yeah and operationally, they're hitting the right notes. But, uh, you know, if you're in an economy that is a, a mono economy, uh, as some people might suggest, heavily reliant uh, on oil exports, commodity prices, uh, that's always, I guess, a variable, you know, that's external to your direct operations that is always going to have an impact on, uh, on your business. Yeah, and I think it's a difficult one because, right, because of it, it's so external and it's so it's so difficult to influence um, as an organization. Mm. You know that it, you could do all all the things right from an internal point of view. You could get all the strategies right. You could get the operations right. But if the economy then is not the the, the the right environment for you to operate, then you really need to probably rethink some of that. You know, so I think it's it's quite um, a difficult position they find themselves in because you know you could always justify the continuance from an operations point of view. And I think I think that the decision that's always in the cards is, do we think that the economy is going to stabilize at some point? Do you think that um, you can sort of um, bet on the economy or you can bet on the oil price in this particular case? But looking at the, just how um, 
volatiles that, that price, the oil price has been over the last few months and sort of few years, um, I, you would understand why they, 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 they are regretting that decision, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, it's, it's a question of are they going to continue? Are they going to make certain strategic changes? You know, are they going to try and diversify um, and, and, and to try and mitigate the risk? Because what they said is that they're they, they looking at sort of the investment in Africa from a portfolio level uh, rather than from an in-country level. So maybe the other investments, or maybe they're going to diversify, diversify into other African countries in order to mitigate the risk from portfolio level. But again, you know, we, we don't know the signs yet, but all we know right now is the fact that they regret the, the, the expansion into Africa. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think an, a, a good point that the, the, the CEO made is that at the time when they were making this decision, you know, um, they, they think they were the right decision. But of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But looking back at it, it, it's a bad decision. So for me, I think they're probably going to look at trying to diversify and entering into other um, African markets, particularly because mm-hmm. their view is from a portfolio perspective. You know, so, you know, I, you can't say there's no growth in Africa completely. You know, there are certain markets, and if you do the right things and you partner with the right people, you can possibly look at growth. So I think interesting one that they find themselves in, um, but yeah, they are, their share price is not looking really good. And uh, hopefully the decisions that they make over the next few months um, will, will look to try and um, recoup that. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And uh, we live in hope and uh, on a wing and a prayer. But um, I mean, I guess I, I guess the, the other story I wanted us to take a look at uh, uh, here, Bandile, has to do with the manufacturing numbers that came through. And yeah. uh, I guess of a very, very low base, we saw a 51% contraction in that PMI uh, or 51 sort of point decline uh, during the uh, hard lockdown. And uh, it seems now that uh, uh, the more favorable number, um, I think around 58.3 or so, uh, reflects, yeah. I guess, how bad things were in the preceding months. But uh, notwithstanding all of that, uh, it does show us that uh, you know conditions on the factory floor are improving somewhat. Yeah, and I think it's it's, it's right. The, it's that the point you made at the end there, right? It's it's because of the low base that we come from, and we we're coming from. You know, that there's obviously been an increase. But again, we need to look at this um, index numbers with caution, right? Because some of them do have weaknesses, of course. So because they're measuring a month-on-month change, you know, because of the lockdown and everything that we've been going through, obviously there's going to be an increase. But nonetheless, it's a positive because it shows that there's a positive move on that front. But but I think it's important that we look at it um, uh, with, 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 with caution because if you if you actually consider from an annual basis, they're actually down 10.1% the manufacturing sector. And if you look at just uh, the, the GDP contraction over the last um, few uh, last six months, you know manufacturing has been contracted by 75%. So any positive uptake or any positive uptake at the moment is going to look good because of where we come from. You know? So I think they always look need to look at those numbers with caution. Um, and I think for me, one of the key indicators with regards to this index, and and I would I would drive that we possibly then look at the employment index within that PMI, which is still 44.5 um, points, which is lower than the 50 points basis that would um, indicate a normal. Uh, and this is also augmented by, I mean, the statistically released their numbers last last yesterday, actually, mm. where we looked at, at the manufacturing sector having shed about 185,000 jobs. So although there's uptick in, 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 in the manufacturing output, um, we just need to, to, to keep in mind that because of where we come from, because of the lockdown and because of just how significantly we had reduced, um, any positive uptick here is going to uh, look like it, 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 it's a good one. And I think another point for me is the fact that regardless of the size of the manufacturer or the manager that's actually giving his opinion on this, and because the PMI is unweighted, 
Uh, it could be a small manufacturer, it could be a big manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Their opinion weighs the same. So what you could find is that there's an uptick in the small manufacturers, and the small and the larger one don't have a significant uptick. But the, the 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 PMI would still the index would still look good. So I think we need to look at it with caution. But at the same so, time, so. you know, we we at this point we we will take whatever good we get. You know, things are are so bad that any positive news we need to hold on to for hope purposes, as uh, as you alluded to earlier. So I think for me, a positive um, 58.3, which again resembles a 21-year high, but again, it's because of where we come from, I would believe. Yeah, we'll take those green shoots, Dr. Uh, Matandela, even if uh, you know they come across as small as they do. Uh, but I think as retail conditions uh, begin to normalize and uh, we continue yeah. to get more and more people hopefully returning to work, that uh, we'll start to see that demand coming through and also improving conditions in the manufacturing sector. It's a sector that's lost um, you know, since the start of the year. Uh, on an annualized basis, over a quarter of a million jobs. And uh, it's certainly mm. uh, the kind of sectors that we need to make sure that we continue to encourage uh, and uh, as it boosts, of course, uh, and diversifies our basket of exports. Mandile, Masishi Apomchega Zwamengos Kakulu. Mandile, have a good evening going forward, man. Thank you very much. Mandile Matandela, market analyst, speaking to us for our business wrap. We're going to take a brief break now. And uh, when we come back, we celebrate 60 years of independence for the uh, West African nation of Nigeria. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll play some fella as well.